Hello and happy Friday from my basement, <laughs> from my dwelling place. Oh, I feel like I should give you a tour, but I won't. There are sleeping people down here, so I will not give you a tour today. But I do want to show you something because it's hilarious. Hold on just a second. This is LeBron. And my husband felt the need to, to pick LeBron up. I'm right, right? Like that's LeBron. I'm not making that up. But um, so we have a friend who we consider our very own. He's, he's actually our son's friend, but we claim him as our very own. And, and he and, and my husband fight over who the greatest basketball player of all time is. And so when John saw this at a thrift store, he felt the need to bring LeBron home for, um, for a gift. So for Kevin, so I'll just push his little, <laughs> he talks <laughs> anyway, enough of show and tell. Did anybody else love show and tell time in school? Not me hated it because it met, you know, all eyes on Angie and I did not want that kind of attention whatsoever. And so I didn't like show and tell time, but you know who does like all eyes on him? You guessed it. <laughs> Jesus. I didn't even plan that out. That was perfect. <laughs> I don't know where I come up with this stuff. I just think Holy Spirit is funny. Um, so anyway, let's talk about the lamb because he does love all eyes on him because that is where all life flows from. And here's the thing. Here's the secret. I'm going to give you a secret. I'm going to give you some keys here. When our eyes are not fixed on the lamb, we tend to look at ourselves and attempt to want to figure all the things out in a single moment, and it's never going to work for us. It will cause frustration. It will cause despair. Um, I actually think that, you know, we love to quote this, the scripture that says, um, oh gosh, what does it say? I just drew a blank. Maybe I shouldn't talk about this, but the one about the tree of life, why am I, why am I not able to think of things in a moment's notice these days? Um, something about who cares? We're moving on. <laughs> anyway, feast on him, feast on, on, on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Because when you start navel gazing, you just get lost and, and, and you lose your focus. And, and he is honestly, like, seriously, I kid you not, everything that you need will flow from him, from intimate moments with the Lamb of God. Speaking of the Lamb of God, I want to start in um, John 1 today. I want to talk about the Lamb of God, but we have to have some background information on this because I think that this is such a fascinating part of scripture. People were attempting to figure John the Baptist out 
and um and and they couldn't they could not pinpoint like what is this man's purpose and and here's the thing it is actually a religious spirit that wants to get to the bottom of who someone is you know when we fixate on identity we miss the full purpose, the full intention of our existence, and um, which is to point to the lamb. And this is the sole reason John exists. And, and there was all kinds of rumors about, about who John was. He was eccentric. He was like nothing these people had ever experienced before. And, and he knows full well what he's been created to do. Now, we're going to start in verse 19. It says this. There were some of the Jewish leaders who sent an entourage of priests and temple servants from Jerusalem to interrogate John. This is hilarious to me. It, the, these, these, these Jewish leaders were sent to get to the bottom of this thing, right? They asked him, who are you? John answered them directly saying, I'm not the Messiah. Isn't that interesting that, that John actually knew what some of the rumors were, what some of the inquisitions were concerning who he is. And he just leads with, I'm not him. I'm not the one that you think that I am. I am not the Messiah. Then who are you? They asked, are you Elijah? <laughs> no, John replied as if, right? So they pressed him further. Are you the prophet Moses said was coming? The one we're expecting? I think he already answered this. No, he replied. Then who are you? They demanded. We need an answer for those who sent us. Tell us something about yourself, anything at all. So John answered them. I am fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. I am an urgent, thundering voice shouting in the desert. I love the way that the Passion Translation words this. I am an urgent, thundering voice shouting in the desert. I think that we can connect some dots here. This is, this is, this is John's form of releasing praise. I'm an urgent, thundering voice crying out in the desert. Clear the way. Prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord Yahweh. He, you see how clear he is on who, who he is? He is not concerned with what others think about him. He doesn't care one iota about the Jewish leaders. Not one. He pays them no attention. In fact, you can kind of feel the irritance that he's experiencing by having to be questioned by these people. It's almost like, of course you don't know because your eyes are so fixed on you that of course you don't know who I am and what my purpose is. But he answers them anyway. I am the one crying out in the wilderness. And if we really look into this story, into to what's transpiring here, John is a prophet. He is living the life of a prophet, which means everything that's surrounding him is, is dictating what's going on on the earth. He positions himself in the wilderness. He positions himself in dryness where things aren't flowing, right? He's in stagnancy and he does so on purpose because his life has become a sign. And he cries out, he draws attention to the one who's coming. Can that be said of us? 
Are we that audacious to allow God to strip us of everything, to become the sign of the condition of the world around us, to promote the lamb above all else? I can answer that for us. Simply no, we're not. We're waiting for perfect conditions to step into the call that God has for us. That's not going to happen. It's not. It's, it's simply not going to happen for us. There will never be perfect conditions for us to step into what it is that God has for us. He is waiting for those who will be willing to be stripped of everything before he puts the appropriate cry in our mouths. He's waiting for those who will stop gazing at themselves and point all to the lamb. It's okay. We're just not there yet. We're getting there. We are being prepared now to be able to do this, to draw attention to the lamb and the lamb alone. You know? All right. Where was I? Okay, so to clear the way and prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord Yahweh. What a call. My gosh, that is a huge assignment. Then some members of the religious sect known as the Pharisees questioned John. Why do you baptize the people since you admit you're not the Christ, Elijah, or the prophet? Oh, now, now they're calling him into to question whether he is actually qualified to be doing what it is that he's doing. He's essentially saying, I'm no one, but there is one coming who is everything. But these are people who have been brought up to recognize elitism, right? They are the ones who have, have been, who've been brought up to seek out the, the Christ, the Elijah, the prophet, right? They're looking for prominence in the wilderness. But they had no idea that, that the very one that God would send to prepare the way would be dressed in camel furs and eating locusts and honey. They thought this man was insane because he'd given up everything. And these people did everything to gain position, not John. He gave up position to be properly positioned, you know? What are we willing to give up to be properly positioned? Are you willing to give up everything to be the one that is crying out, look at the lamb? Okay, let's go on. John answered them, I baptize in this river, but the one who will take my place is to be more honored than I. But even when he stands among you, you will not recognize or embrace him. Why? Because their eyes are fixed on themselves. You know, they're looking for prominence in all the wrong places. They will not even recognize the Savior when he comes walking past them. It hurts my heart that he includes in there that you won't even be those who embrace him. 
And this is where we're at. We don't recognize and we don't embrace the lamb in our moments of need. We're so busy looking for all the wrong things that we don't notice the lamb when he comes walking by. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to tear our hearts, you know, rend your heart, not your clothes. That's what Joel tells us. Rend your heart and not your clothes. These are people that were more impressed by outer garments than they were of what was going on on the inside. But we need to change that. We need to be concerned about what's going on on the inside. So we can be those who recognize the lamb when he comes walking by. I'm not worthy enough to stoop down in front of him and untie his sandals. This all took place at Bethany, where John was baptizing at the place of the crossing of the Jordan River. He could have baptized people anywhere. This place, this is an important place. He's baptizing people at the crossing of the Jordan River. If you want to know more about that, go read the book of Joshua. It'll tell you everything that you need to know. It's a very, very important part of scripture for us to understand where it is that we're going and why it is that John would have been baptizing people at the crossing of the Jordan River. These people that followed Joshua across that river to go take the land, they gave up everything unto death. They told Joshua, if any of, it, if any of us be against you, let us perish. They were willing to give up their lives to follow him into the call, into their destiny to go and take back what was theirs. Go read the book, Joshua, fascinating book. Okay, verse 29. The very next day, John saw Jesus coming to him to be baptized. Can you see it? Like, I want you to visualize this. The religious elite are still there, right? There's people just standing around on the banks of this river watching what's taking place. John has just the day before let them know who he is in the simplest of terms. I'm the one preparing the way. I am the one that's making a way. I am the thundering voice shouting out about he who will come. They're all standing around and you know, they're rolling their eyes at him. You know, they were scoffing at him. Like this man is just crazy. He's just crazy. But the next day, here they are. And here comes Jesus. Hi, Anne Marie. The very next day, John saw Jesus coming to him to be baptized. And John cried out, look, there he is, God's lamb, or behold, the lamb of God. He will take away the sins of the world. Behold, the lamb of God. What is John doing in this moment? He sees Jesus coming. He has spent his life preparing 
the way, he sees Jesus coming and he's like, oh my gosh, this, this is it. This is the moment that we all get to turn and fix our gaze on the one I've been telling you about. I also want to draw your attention to the baptism that's taking place. We know that um, that what Jesus did on the cross, everything that he did on the earth and on the cross was to birth new creation life in us, right? Like we had, we had messed things up to the nth degree and he came to bring back life and more life for us. And, and to turn our hearts back toward the Father. And so there is a beautiful thing happening in this baptism scene where, if you will, because we're talking about a birthing taking place, it's as if the waters broke when he's baptizing these people. And, and the rest of Jesus's ministry, there is nothing but laborious contractions taking place because this is not a man who had it easy. And we can actually read about that. Let's quickly, we're going to remember where we were at here and we're going to quickly go over to Isaiah 53 because I want you to remember who it is that he was while he was on the earth. John declares, behold the lamb, right? He's the one who will come and take away the sins of the world. Isaiah 53, seven, the surrendered servant. He was oppressed and harshly mistreated. Still he humbly submitted, refusing to defend himself. He was brought like a gentle lamb to be slaughtered, like a silent sheep before his shearers. He didn't even open his mouth. By coercion and with a perversion of justice, he was taken away. And who could have imagined his future? He was cut down in the prime of life for the rebellion of his own people. He was struck down in their place. They gave him a grave among criminals, but he ended up instead in a rich man's tomb. Although he had done no violence, no nor spoken deceitfully. Even though it pleased Yahweh to crush him with grief, he will be restored to favor. After his soul becomes a guilt offering, he will gaze upon his many offspring and prolong his days. Isn't that beautiful? My gosh. His life becomes the very contractions of labor and he gives birth on that cross when they pierced his side because out of the side of the first Adam comes woman, right? And out of the side of the Savior becomes all of mankind washed in the blood of Jesus. It is water and it is blood that runs from his side. And this is the very picture of cre new creation life crowning and gushing forth. This is, it is, is stunning what it is that the Lamb of God has accomplished on our behalf. How dare we remove our gaze from him? You know, let's finish reading John 1. I told you that a mighty one would come who is far greater than I am because he existed long before I was even born. My baptism was for the preparation of his appearing to Israel 
even though I've yet to experience him. This is interesting. John saying, I've yet to experience him. And we know full well he experienced him in the womb, right? Like Mary comes to Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John. I think she's either three or six months pregnant. I can't remember for sure. But as Mary comes near, carrying Savior of the world, the Lamb of God, John has a reaction to his presence. So, you know, I'm not buying it that he's never experienced him before. <laughs> but it, 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 I understand what he's saying is like, he has stepped into assignment. Jesus has stepped into assignment and his life is now in the space of contracting to bring forth life and more life, right? Then as John baptized Jesus, he spoke these words. I see the spirit of God appear like a dove descending from the heavenly realm and landing upon him. And it rested upon him from the moment, that moment forward. And even though I've yet to experience him, <laughs> when I was commissioned to baptize with water, God spoke these words to me. One day you will see the spirit descend and remain upon a man. He will be the one I have sent to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And now I've seen with discernment. I can tell you for sure that this man is the son of God. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. What does all of this have to do with us? Everything, right? God is raising up another generation who will give up everything just to point to the Lamb of God, just to turn affections and attention to the Lamb of God. They will count the cost appropriately. They will give up their lives just to stand in wilderness and point to the Lamb of God. Let's go to Isaiah 1. And we're going to start in verse 26. Yeah. Yeah, Chris. Whew. Jesus, right? Like, fix your eyes on him right now. Can you see him? He is center stage in the throne room. The Lamb of God still hosting the wounds of the cross. He is the wounded lamb and he is also the glorified son of God. My goodness. Seven eyes, seven horns. Behold him. Just take a second and look at him. The only one worthy. The only one worthy to receive the praises from your lips. And you know full well that we release praise all day long. All day long. It's what This is our function. This is what we do. We release praise all day long but we just don't pay attention to who or what is receiving that praise. And whatever you are releasing praise over becomes amplified, becomes bigger, becomes greater in your life. So if your praise sounds like grumbling and complaining, whatever it is that you're grumbling and complaining about becomes big, 
becomes magnified. I love it. There's a, there's a psalm that says that David says, "Come, magnify the Lord with me. Come, look upon the Lamb with me. Magnify Him. Make Him bigger in your life. We are so powerful. We really are. We're so powerful. We have the ability to magnify things in our lives, to make them bigger, to ask them to move in and take up all the room in our life. Are you beholding Him right now?" Let's look at Isaiah 1, starting in verse 26. I will restore deliverers as in former times and your wise counselors as at the beginning. Only then will you be called the righteous city and the faithful city. Wow, right? That's awesome. God is going to restore the deliverers as in former times and your wise counselors as at the beginning. And it's only then that you'll be called a righteous and faithful city. Really quick, let's jump over to Galatians. We're doing a full-on Bible study here this morning. (laughs) We're going to start in um, verse 26. I love this. This is so good, you guys. In contrast, there is a heavenly Jerusalem above us, which is our true mother. She is the free woman birthing children into freedom. I hope you're getting excited. (laughs) This makes me so giddy. In contrast, there is a heavenly Jerusalem above us, which is our true mother. She is a free woman birthing children into freedom. Are you birthing children into freedom? Are, is your life calling for all eyes to fall on the lamb? It's the only place that freedom is actually going to be generated from. Real freedom. She is the free woman birthing children into freedom. For it is written, burst forth with gladness. O barren woman with no children. Break through with the shouts of joy and jubilee. For you are are about to give birth. The one who was once considered desolate and barren now has more children than the one who has a husband. Huh, that's curious. Dear friends, just like Isaac, we're now the true children who inherit the kingdom promises. And just as the son of the natural world at that time harassed the son born of the power of the Holy Spirit, so it is today. And what does scripture tell us to do? Expel the slave mother with her son. The son of the slave woman will not be a true heir. For the true heir of the promises is the son of the free woman. It's now so obvious We're not the children of a slave woman. We're the supernatural sons of the free woman, sons of grace. What is this all talking about? Those who will fix their eyes on the lamb are the sons and daughters of the free woman. When you continue to fixate on self, my identity, my call, my destiny, You are a son or daughter of the slave woman still. 
And yes, Chris, there's no inheritance. And I know what it's like to get into a mode of seeing what it is that God has shown you and wanting to chase that thing down. There's no chase. That's a lie. Fix your eyes on the lamb. All things flow from him. You want to fast track your call? Fix your eyes on the lamb. It's the only way. Otherwise, you step into bondage. You start playing the role of the slave woman. You invite Egypt's system back into your life. And you become bound. You become a slave to the system of do-it-yourself. But beholding the lamb really is the fast track. And you don't have to worry about timing because everything falls into place in his perfect timing. Yes, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added. All the things will be added. Seek first the lamb and you will accidentally be, be good, right? Okay, let's continue on in, in Isaiah. Uh, Verse 27, yes, Zion will be redeemed with justice and her repentant converts with righteousness. There will be a shattering of rebels and sinners together, and those who forsake the Lord will be consumed. You will reap shame from the idols you once delighted in, and you will be humiliated by your cultic sacred groves where you chose to worship. Uh Uh-oh, that's talking about that worship. You know, we are releasing worship or releasing praise no matter what. Be careful what is receiving your praise. You will be like an oak tree with faded fallen leaves and like a withered waterless garden. The powerful elite will become like kindling and their evil deeds like sparks. Both will burn together and no one will be able to put out that fire. If that's not evidence enough for you, that you're called to the wilderness to cry out, make way, make way for the Lamb of God. Turn your eyes toward Jesus. Fixate on him. If you're going to fixate on something, fixate on the Lamb. Chapter 2, verse 1. This is the word revealed to Isaiah, son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of Yahweh's temple will be raised up as the head of the mountains towering over the hills. Come on, somebody wave a hanky or something. This is so good. I'm going to read that again. In the last days, the mountains of Yahweh's temple will be raised up as the head of the mountains towering over all the hills. Who wants to be a part of that, of of Yahweh's mountain being raised up as the head? When the Bible talks about mountains, he's talking about kingdoms, right? He's talking about kingdoms and, 
and governments and and we have to know like what kingdom are we part of where are my feet yes what what kingdom are my feet standing in right now and i think that that can shift for us very quickly we need to make sure that we're beholding the lamb so that our feet stay in the right kingdom a sparkling stream of every nation will flow into it. Many people will come and say, everyone come, let's go up higher to Yahweh's mountain, to the house of Jacob's God. Then he can teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. Zion will become the center of instruction. Guys, this is so exciting. Zion, Zion is a, a mountain that is made up of the praises of God's people. I picture it for a second, like a mountain that is being raised up above everything else because of the people who are willing to give up everything to magnify the Lamb of God. Come on! This is so exciting. I don't even have a hallelujah hanky with me. Maybe I could just wave LeBron. <laughs> Jesus. He's so good. He's so good. Yes, cheers. Cheers, Vince. Um, gosh, this is exciting. Zion made up of the people who are willing to give up everything to keep their eyes fixed on the lamb, to release praise that magnifies who he is. And, and the result of that is a sparkling stream of every nation flowing into it and Zion becoming a space of instruction. Zion, praise. Praise becomes one of the most important things that we will ever do. That we release appropriate praise. That everything we do is about magnifying the Lamb of God. That we partner, we band together as a people of praise. That way, when we get off track, and we will, you have the person beside you elbowing you saying, don't wave LeBron, you know? Getting us back on track, getting us back focused on the lamb. It's really easy. I'll admit, I'll be the first to admit, it's really easy to take my eyes off the lamb and put them on myself. It's too easy, honestly. I become the king in my own little world when I do that. When I start the, to amplify self. Yes, but what about this? Yes, but what about this? God, how do I make this happen? It's it's so easy that it's a, it's a bit frightening. That's why we need each other. Yes, Anne-Marie, ego gets in our way. That is so true. And so that when, when John later says, yeah, I must become lesser so that he can be great. 
He's saying, it's time for me to bow out. See, this is the thing that we actually are terrible at. We don't know when <laughs> to, to bow out. We Listen, here, if this is what the kingdom is like. We need to know who has the hot hand, so to speak. We need to know who the favor of the Lord is resting upon in any given moment. Because the, the, the lead needs to be based on who has the hot hands. We need to be able to recognize that and yeah, live dead. Truly, that's what it's going to take is, is to die to self, to be able to recognize where is the favor of the Lord resting? We've used the favor of the Lord in errant ways for far too long, thinking that, oh, the Lord blessed me with a front row parking spot. <laughs> that makes me gag. God doesn't care where you park. I'm sorry to break the news to you. Oh my gosh, I just realized I was calling my husband out. He uses this all the time. <laughs> okay, he cares where you park. He does. He cares about every little thing, but it has no, it bears no weight. You know, we make fa the favor of the Lord about everything except for what it needs to be on. You do too, Anne-Marie, you crack me up. <laughs> Oh, it, you, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it, like it, it, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Perhaps the Lord wants you to walk. <laughs> and are you willing to, are you willing to transfer the lead position to advance the kingdom, that's real accidental exercise. That's hilarious. Um, that's the real question is, is the expansion of the kingdom of God what is on the forefront of your mind? Or is your ego taking up all of that space? Yeah. So let's get back to Isaiah. Okay, remember, it becomes the center. Zion, the place of praise, becomes the center of instruction. And the word of Yahweh will go out from Jerusalem. He will judge fairly between the nations and settle disputes among many peoples. They will beat the swords they used against each other into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. No nation will take up weapons against another, nor will they prepare for war anymore. O house of Jacob, Come, let us walk in the wonderful light of Yahweh. This gets intense. This goes against everything that you and I have been brought up in. Everything that we know about nation to nation is really preparing for war. Self-protection. That's, I, I, I honestly wish Vince was on here right now so he could break this down for us. As somebody who was raised in the military, he was always being trained to prepare for war. And this is the opposite of that. God is saying that in the center of instruction, in that, that high place of appropriate praise unto the Lamb of God, I'm differentiating on purpose. You will take all of your weaponry and you will care only about harvest. Who else can we bring to this high place of praise? Who else wants to join us in magnifying the Lord? 
we drop our war-mindedness. We drop our preferences because we care only about the Lamb of God. We've learned to behold him. Do you know that he becomes the light? The sun and the moon, they have, they're on assignment. The sun and the moon, the stars, they're on assignment. They're holding place for the light of the Lamb of God. Because he will become the light. My goodness. I think I told you a few weeks ago about, um, I was just sitting outside because I love sitting in the heat. And um, and God just starts asking me random questions just because he loves to have conversations with me. He's like, Angie, what do you think is hotter, the sun or me? What do you think is brighter, the sun or me? <laughs> Which obviously, <laughs> it's a leading question. And um, so I'm just like, I'm so undone by this thought of the sun and the moon and the stars no longer needing to shine. And you better believe they will give up their assignment just to see the light of the lamb. My goodness. We have the ability to magnify the Lord. It's our job. It's why we exist, to magnify the Lord. And he really is raising up a company of people who are willing to stand in the wilderness and cry out, make way. To draw all attention to the lamb and the lamb alone. Those who will accidentally stumble into purpose, who will accidentally perform all the things that God's called us to. One second, you're beholding the lamb because honestly, ministry is unto the lamb alone and everything else is overflow. He's redefining everything right now, you guys. Everything is being redefined as we've known it. We've we've made such a big deal. My gosh, we've served ministry. We've worshiped ministry. And God is calling us to minister to him alone. Your ministry is unto the lamb. And everything else just becomes overwhelmed. It's just what happens. It's the byproduct of becoming obsessed with the lamb of God. You want to see healings? You want to see breakthrough? Miracles? Behold the lamb. He's the main thing. He's the only thing. Jesus, I thank you. that You have given us eyes that can fall upon you in all your beauty and all your glory. That we have the capability to behold you to turn our thoughts and our affections toward you and you alone. And right now, we just want to submit our praise. We want to submit our worship 
bring it under your lordship. And we declare that you are the king of all kings. You're the only one worthy, the only one worthy to receive all honor and glory and power. It's you and you alone. You are worthy. Teach us, Holy Spirit, to behold the Lamb. Teach us to go deeper still, to press in closer. God, that we wouldn't be those who are content standing in the third or fourth row back, but we want the front row. We want to move with you, Jesus. We want to know that you are the reason we have breath in our lungs, that we have the ability to release praise in the first place. You and you alone. we would talk about your beauty and your grace and your holiness everywhere we go. Wow. We are wild by you, Jesus. We're wowed by you. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. As we go about the rest of today, we thank you that you're filling our mouths with appropriate praise, with the words that belong in our mouths and need to be released in our voice. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, friends. I bless you. I bless you with the knowledge of the Lamb of God. Takes away all sins. Who has set your feet a dancing. Love you.